As you see up on our screen there, we started a new series last week called Back to School. Now, I know not everyone here goes to school still, but a lot of us are affected by school in some capacity. Now, we have kids, grandkids that go to school, or college kids, or maybe we are taking night school. But school is a good time to just refocus and restart. We're not doing our summer vacations anymore. It's kind of like a, a New Year's in the middle of the year where we can really refocus. And so last week, Brian shared about relationships, and I encourage you to go online and check that out. He uh, gave a great message on that. Today, we're going to be talking about priorities and, and time management. And as a show of hands, this is um, participation time, uh, who here has ever used these words before, something like this? I just didn't have enough time. Anyone out there? Most, most everyone out there feel like some point you've said that about something. You know, what it, it could be because something from work, a work project, you didn't have enough time to get done, a school project, an essay. Maybe you weren't home in time to help with, you know, get the kids down for bed, or you missed the competition. You just didn't have enough time. Now, I'm going to push against that a little bit this morning, because... I'm going to challenge that. Yes, there are a few times that maybe you were not given enough time, but I would say a vast majority of the time, we are given enough time. We just don't make enough time. So this morning, we're going to look at a time a little bit. And I know I've struggled with this. So I uh, was in college. I had to write a commentary on Romans chapter 8. So I had to write a verse-by-verse -verse commentary where I had to get the Greek words and do a word study and do credit criticism of the historic and the literary and context, all this stuff. And it was like probably a 12 to 14-hour project by the, by, the whole thing, by the time it was all done. That's how much time I spent on it. Well, I did probably most of that in the last 24 hours that the assignment was due. I don't know if any of you have been there before, but... I, you know, I remember one time, I, was, I think this was the one where I was literally finishing the assignment, and as I was getting ready to go to bed finally, my wife was waking up to go to school because I had stayed up so late to finish. But, and I, you know, I had months to get that done, and I did a bunch of stuff in between the time it was assigned and the time it was due. I just didn't make time for it. You know, I went on, you know, went on dates with my wife. I played video games. I went to a blues game. You know, I did all these other things, and I didn't make time. And I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this, because I went on to Google, and I typed in time management into Google Books. Do you know how many results came up? 80,800,000 in like .23 seconds, mind you. That's how many popped up. So I'm not the only one. You know, you know that's, a, you think, that's a lot of time put into time management. I mean, that's kind of, if you think about it, weird. But what I've noticed about people, especially myself, it's hard for me, hard for us to tell the difference between what's important and what's urgent. You know, deciding what's a need and what's a want. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, put first things first, and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. Love here, he just makes that point of, a lot of times we put what's not important, we make that where we put our time to, and we lose out on what's most important. We're going to start this morning in the book of Ecclesiastes. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This book was written by King Solomon, wisest man, God-given wisdom that there's ever been. And he talks about time. And if you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of depressing. It really is. As you read through this book, I mean, 
it starts with a bang. Here's how the, the very beginning of it starts. It says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. How do you feel now? You guys feel good? He actually uses the word meaningless 35 times in this short book. And you might miss the whole purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is it's not, it's negative whenever you focus on the things. He says everything is meaningless without God. But before we get to that, let's, let's see what he says about time. So we're in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Solomon wrote this at the very end of his life as he, he had experienced all these things, war, peace, searching, giving up searching, throwing away, keeping things. He had experienced all of these things and he gave a lot of, if you notice, a lot of contradictory thoughts about time. One thing here is a positive, one thing's a negative. So that begs the question, what is time? Is it our friend? Is time our enemy? Is it our ruler? No, it, time is what we make it. You know, it's neither good nor bad. I look at time the same way. If you've been through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey, he talks about money and how it's amoral. It doesn't have morals. It's not neither good nor bad. Time is the same way. We can choose to do good things with our time or we can choose to do bad things with our time. Because the way that we use our time will shape our life. Where we put our time to, that's what shapes who we are. Look at professional athletes, how much time they spend to develop their craft. So again, what's the, what's the most important? What is the most important? You're here at, at a church, and we believe that the Bible has the word of God in it. That this is going to say what the most important thing is, so we're going to look into that. But if you were to go to Walmart and ask that question, what's the most important? What do the answers think you get? Fame. Money, power, family, job. You get tons of different answers about what the most important thing is. But this morning we're going to look at a couple of scriptures to see what God says the most important thing is. The first place we're going to look is Acts chapter 20. These are the words of Paul, the guy who wrote a lot of our New Testament, a lot of the letters in our New Testament. And he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, their elders. And here's what he says. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He's going to say what his most important thing is here. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's, that's what he says the most important is. Sharing his faith with others. Impressing his faith on others. He goes as far to say that if he's not doing that, his life is nothing. Or maybe a psalm would say, meaningless. Matthew chapter 6 is another, these are the words of Jesus, and he gives an, another thing that's the most important. In Matthew chapter 6, a sermon on the mount. It says, but seek third his kingdom. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? Seek second? Oh, 
But seek his kingdom after I've done all I want to do first? No, what does it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The most important thing we can do with our lives is it involves our faith, our relationship with God through Jesus. I, you know, it's something that I say a lot, and you may have heard me say it before, but it's something I need to be aware of. In a hundred years, the only thing that will matter is if you have a faith in Jesus. It's not going to matter if you won the competition, if you got the promotion, if you won the race, if you had the best grades. That stuff is not ultimately going to matter in a hundred years. It's going to matter if you have decided to follow Jesus, if you have gotten immersed in his, in his love, and you've decided to live a life changed for him. In a hundred years, that's what's going to matter. So if that's what's going to matter, shouldn't we be spending our time on that? The most of our time, the important stuff on that? We need to be people that live with eternity in mind. There's so much more to our life. This is, our life is like a book, and it's like the very first stroke of the pen is, is what our life is, and the rest of the book is eternity. Like, just that little bit, that's how much, and we devote so much time to things that are temporary, to things that are not truly important. If we go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon says this, he says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God put eternity in our hearts. We long for something more than the temporary, than something here. 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I can't tell you how much time and energy I spent on my NHL 14 EA Sports Hockey League legend to be a 90 overall. Oh, man, I, I could go back in time and count the hours I spent on that and probably be pretty embarrassing. Um, and guess what? And guess what happened in three months? The next game came out. So guess what, that, guess what all that time went towards? Nothing. I mean, I've spent some time with friends doing it, so there was some, some, a little bit of positive out of it. But I devoted a lot of time to that, and I know I'm not the only one who's, who does that. Uh, and when I was in middle school, I heard this amazing uh, uh, this speaker share something that has always stuck with me. And it's that anything that is not eternal is eternally useless. Anything that's not eternal is eternally useless. It's always stuck with me because it helps me use my time better. I'm not perfect. I'm gonna, I'll be, this is probably the thing that I might struggle with the most in my life is time management and putting first things first. So it's not just I'm up here giving the word and saying, hey, it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. We have to start, we have to start making a conscious effort to put first things first. And so before we get to the practical tools, though, I, I don't want to miss what I'm saying here this morning. I'm not saying that when you leave here today, you better have Joy FM on in the car, listening the whole time until you get home. And then when you get home, you better start your Bible study and you better do that until you go to sleep. You might, maybe you should fast from lunch and dinner. And then you should fall asleep doing the, the devotional. And then when you wake up, you should already be praying. Because we're supposed to pray without ceasing. So I'm not saying that we need to change everything in our life and do all of these things and devote all of our time to it. I'm just saying that a lot of times we give God our leftovers. Katie, my wife, and I will go out to eat. And when we do that, um, we'll split a dish. 
we might, because, you know, they give such big servings. And so we might split a meal together. And a couple reasons. One, I'm, I'm cheap. I'm, if you know that about me, not only are we going to split a dish, I'm going to get a coupon so we can get a discount on that one dish we're going to split. So, you know, we split this dish, and, and, you know, we also leftovers. We might not be able to take some home with us for whatever reason. So we might split a dish so we're not being wasteful. And so whenever the server comes with our meal, you know, we say we got a steak. We'll split the steak in half. I'll give her one of the sides. I'll, t- you know, she'll take one. I'll take the other, and we share. What I don't do is the server comes up and gives the food, and I don't take it all to myself, eat whatever I want to eat first, and then whenever I'm done and I feel good, I give Katie the rest. That would be ridiculous, right? But don't we do that with God? Don't we give him our leftovers? Don't we take, we do whatever we want to do first, and then we say, oh, do that. And then sometimes we say, I just didn't have enough time to pray, to read my Bible. I didn't have enough time to do those things. We did, we just didn't make enough time. And again, I, this is one of the things I struggle with the most, and so we're going to get to some real practical things, practical time management tools that I want to try and help you with. They, they help me. These are some things I have done. And so there's three tools we're going to look at this morning. And all of them have a scripture to go with them. But the first thing to do to, about spending your time better is tie a new habit to a current habit. A lot of us already do this when it comes to our spiritual life. Now, again, we're basing this all on scripture. This is what the most important thing is. Our faith and sharing our faith. What Paul and Jesus said. Those are the most important things. So a lot of us already do this because when we sit down to eat meal, a lot of us pray, right? We've tied that habit of praying to eating. A lot of us, you know, at bedtime we pray. We've tied the habit of going to sleep with praying. So my challenge is for you to tie a new habit to a current habit. So maybe you want to work on our, our children in the elementary class are learning the books of the Bible right now. And they're trying to learn them in order. And maybe the way you can do that is while you're brushing your teeth, maybe on your mirror you write the books of the Bible. And so as you're brushing your teeth, you can just look at it. And it can start to be put into your memory. This isn't a new concept. Deuteronomy chapter 6, not chapter 4. Chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 says this. This is the Shema. Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Number one priority. That's the most important thing to do. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. So here is some very practical stuff, tying new habits to current habits. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you're sitting at home eating a meal together. Talk about them when you're walking on the road, maybe now when you're in the car driving around. When you lie down, when you go to sleep, when you get up in the morning, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The best way for us to really get these new habits of building our faith is to tie them to something we're doing. Maybe you have a habit of getting home, kicking your shoes off, and turning the TV on. Maybe you set a new habit that every time I go to hit the power button to turn the TV on, maybe I pull my phone out and I look at a Bible verse, or I pull my Bible out. And I read something. Or maybe I say a prayer. I look through our prayer list that we have here at this church where you can pray for people in our church family. So tie a new habit to a current habit. The second thing you do, and this was very eye-opening to me, time how long you spend doing current habits. Literally, like, start a countdown timer. So, for example, 
I, uh, you know, I like, we'll watch Netflix at, at my house. We'll put a show on. And, and it can be very easy to get to the point where you've watched three episodes in a row and then it says, are you still watching? Like, yes, I'm still watching. Sorry that my control, I've been watching so long my controller battery died and now I got to turn that back on to let you know I'm still watching. Yes. And what I realize is if you time how long you spend, like, oh, wow, I watched three episodes that are all 45 minutes each. I just spent over two hours watching a show. And so actually time how long you spend. When you watch, turn the, the Cardinals game on or the Blues game on, that's three hours of your time that you're devoting to that. Maybe you like to read. You don't realize how long you're sitting and reading this book. You're so engrossed and you're going to only read one chapter and then you read half the book. And you spend a lot of time doing that. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, to teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. When we're aware of how much time we're using on stuff, it gives us wisdom, gives us gives us a sense of knowing how much time we're doing it. One of the biggest time wasters, social media, am I right? Is that where a lot of people are here that understand social media? You spend a lot of time on those things. There was a study that was done this year, and I got some pictures up there to show you different, different uh, how much time we spend on different social media things. So here you go. YouTube, the average person spends uh, 40 minutes. Facebook, 35 minutes. Snapchat, 25 minutes. Instagram, 15 minutes. And Twitter, apparently. There's still a few people using Twitter. Uh, so that's one minute. So this is how much time per day the average American uses social media. Now, I want to take a quick break and say that not, you, what's, think about what social media is to you. Maybe you don't use social media, but I bet there's something in your life that you devote this much time to. So this is how much time we spend on social media. So if you put the next slide up there, you're going to see something here that's pretty remarkable. Over our entire life, if you math that out, we spend five years and four months on social media through our life. Five years of our, over five years of our life is spent. Go ahead and do that next one there for us. We spend seven and a half years watching TV. We spend three, three and a half years eating and drinking. So actually, we spend more time on social media than we do eating. Six months of laundry, six months. Uh, we, you know, grooming a year and ten months. Socializing a year and three months. Laundry, six months. That's not true. Laundry, way more than six months of my life. I've done six months this last year. All right? <laughs> So, this is how much time in our lifetime that we spend on these things. If you put the next one there, gifts in perspective. Here's what you could do with your time. If you decided to stop using social media and devote that time to something else, you could go to the moon and back 32 times. You could walk the Great Wall of China three and a half times. You could watch The Simpsons 215 times, all 94 seasons. You could climb Mount Everest 32 times. You could run 10,000 marathons. No, thank you. I'm not even going to do one. Uh, you could walk your dog 93,000 times. When we realize how much time we spend on things, it helps give us some wisdom. So what we want to do is start realizing how much time we spend and then go, okay, I'm spending way too much time on this. Start a timer. Maybe before you get your phone out and you start going through Facebook, start a timer. You'll be amazed how quickly a 20-minute timer will go off. You'll think it was just a couple minutes. Put on a show and start a timer. Wow. You realize how quickly time goes when we get engrossed in these things. So time, time how long you're doing current habits. The third thing is make a list of what needs to get done every day. That's a simple one. Why, you know, why would I say this one? A well, couple scriptures that support this idea of planning out our days and planning out what we're doing. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Proverbs 16.9. In the hearts of humans, they plan their course. 
the Lord establish their steps, we can plan out our day and have God still be a part of it. God can lead our day as we plan it out. I want to tell you this story about this concept of actually writing out a list every day. So Charles Schwab, he's the president of Bethlehem Steel. In the 1920s, he met Ivy Lee, who is a pioneer management consultant. And he said, show me a way to get more things done with my time, and I'll pay you anything within reason. So Lee handed Schwab a blank piece of paper and said, right now take a few minutes and write down the six most important things that you want to get done tomorrow. From top to bottom, number them one through six. Write down the six most important things. Then they said, the next day, whenever you wake up, start with task one. Get as much done, get finished, go till you get task one done, then move on to two, then move on to three. Don't do a little bit of one, and then go down to five, and then six, and then three. The task, the purpose is not to get everything done. It's to get the most important things done first. And then they said, when you're done, when that day's over, crumble it up and make a new list for the next day. So I just want to let you know that whenever this advice was given to Charles, he sent a check for $25,000 to Ivy Lee, which in 1920 would be a quarter million dollars. So if you guys would like to write a check for $250,000 to me for giving you this advice, I will gladly accept it on behalf of the great wisdom you had received. There's a bunch more time management tools you can do, a bunch more ideas you can have to better use your time. Um, you can look online or in books, but... I want to end with this, with this illustration about time. So a lot of us in our life, we have big rocks. Our, our, you know, our, what are the most important things? You know, our, our faith, as we've said, is our most important thing. And so we fill up our time. We should be filling up our time with things like that. And so we can see if we can get this thing all the way filled with all these rocks. So we'll fill it up and fill it up here. We got some big rocks here. We'll fill this up. So we try and get all of our big rocks in our life done. It looks pretty full to me. It does look pretty full, but it's not full yet. So then we got these little rocks we can take and we can, we can pour these in there. I'm trying to get some more space filled up here. There we go. All right, now we're getting pretty full. Looks pretty good to me. Looks pretty full. Oh, up here in front, we got a lot of open space, don't we? Let's do this. There we go. Looks pretty full to me. All right. We got some more stuff we can put in here. How about this? Every time, we can just put a little more... We can put a little more. This is a little more things we can fill our time with. We looked pretty full earlier. Now it's getting really full. All right. But then we still got more space. We can then come and take this water and pour this water in here. What we see with this is, you know, what's the purpose of something like this? Is it we can do, you know, more with our time than we think? That's true. We can do more with our time than we think. That's not what we're hitting on here. Is it uh, looks can be deceiving? Also true, but not really what's here. The main thing I want us to, to take away this morning is that if you didn't start with the big rocks, you would have never got them in at all. 
We need to put these big rocks in our lives first, these big rocks of our faith. And we didn't talk about family. We're going to be talking about that later, but family is right up there just underneath it. But our faith is the most important thing. And so if you're someone here that hasn't taken on Christ in your life, that we'd love to talk with you about what that means, about putting these big rocks in your life. And it can bless your life so much. But if you're someone out there that has gotten stagnant in your faith, Maybe it's because you've been filling your life with sand and water and little rocks, and then you're trying to fit God into all this spot, and there isn't room for it. So my challenge is that today we start to make a priority to put the first things first. We start making a priority to put the big rocks in our life first.